Let's start the front page off with some UNLV football here. Doug Brumfield and Justin Rogers are listed as co-starters on the depth chart. So Marcus Arroyo still has not named a starter. They play on Thursday. Does he name a starter before Thursday, Ed? I think this goes down to kickoff and the crystallization of trying to figure out (laughs) who should take that first series is going to suddenly come to Arroyo who's standing on the field and he'll know what to do and it'll all be crystallized and we're going to get Doug Brumfield on the first series. But does does he count as the starter just because he takes the first snap even if Justin Rogers immediately plays the second series of the game? Well, I think you do in the stat sheet. I mean, I think it says G for games one, (laughs) S for games one. So he would be the starter officially. Um, I, who do you think? I think it's Brumfield. And here's the thing. Obviously, we don't really know because other than warm-ups, you can't watch practice. Uh, so I don't know who the starter's going to be, but if you had to guess, who would you go with? Yeah, I think Brumfield takes the first snap. Now, here's what's interesting. Last year, UNLV's first game of the season, the first ever depth chart for Marcus Arroyo, if you can remember, had... Justin Rogers, Max Gillum, and Kenyon Ovlad all listed as co-starters. So last year, they had three co-starters going uh, into game one. This year, they're down to two. That is massive progress from Marcus Arroyo. I glanced quickly at the depth chart. Is Martell even like listed? No, he is not on the depth chart. Uh, Cameron Friel is the third-string quarterback. There is not a fourth-string quarterback listed. So Tate Martell is not listed on UNLV's depth chart. Interesting, no? Well, I, I haven't thought he's going to play until later in the season at best. So, okay, yeah, I mean, listen, if Doug Brumfield or Justin Rogers or Cameron Frio plays and one of them is very good, then I don't think Tate Martell plays at all this season. But more than likely, I think we're going to see those three guys or at least two of those guys, and they're not going to be good enough to really take the job and we'll see Tate Martell eventually just not yet oh uh, you know I can't tell you that so the New York Mets had a fun night uh Javi Baez love Javi okay so apparently the Mets uh have started doing a celebration uh when they get a big hit or something where they start doing a thumbs down and <laughs> when asked about it Javi Baez said to let the, to let the fans know When we don't get success, we're going to get booed. So they are going to get booed when we have success. It's a good thing Javi doesn't play in a city with fans that uh, react to things um, uh, in any sort of way. Uh, So this is, I'm sorry. I mean, I think people think, you know, some people think this is great. It's... It might be great, but obviously he's never winning the battle. So um, I know Sandy Alderson had some great quotes yesterday about how great their fan base is and all of that. Um, the Mets. Which I think at that point you have to you have to save. You're trying to save it, um, but he can't win the battle. It's funny that he's doing it, that he's giving the thumbs down. I think it's that's pretty funny. But um, you know, again, it's New York Mets fan. So good luck to you on that one. From Sandy Alderson, the Mets president, from his statement. Mets fans are loyal, passionate, knowledgeable, and more than willing to express themselves. We love them for every one of these qualities. (laughs) They'll express themselves, all right. The Mets Um, had to put out a statement because one of their players is giving a thumbs down to the fans. Because he's tired (laughs) of being booed. Because they suck. 
They were man, in, what a collapse. They were Epic in first place. Yeah, they were in first place in the division. And I think at one point they were the only team over 500 in their division. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, the NL East is terrible. The Mets don't even have to score a run and they'll win the division. And now they're under 500 and their playoff, they're like under 20% to make the playoffs now. It's an, it, it, them and the Padres, unbelievable collapse from those two teams. And now, yeah. but we haven't gotten Fernando Tatis booing the Padres fans yet. That hasn't no, happened. No, no. Fernando and his 330 uh, mil is probably going <laughs> to, when, when you introduce Fernando at that press conference, say, this is a statue contract. He's going to wait around before he starts booing the, the people who are paying, paying his salary. I don't think the even the Padres fans are big enough bleeps to boo no, Fernando no. Tatis. No, I mean, where the how, Mets how fans, they might boo DeGrom. I mean, how can that be true when 90% of the Padres fans are Dodger fans? <laughs> I don't care about or at least that's what question. It, at least that's how it looks at games. Uh, uh, you, had the, you had the dismount. <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie got vaccinated after getting fined for not wearing his mask. So Isaiah McKenzie is a Buffalo Bill wide receiver. He and Cole Beasley were both fined last week for not wearing their masks inside the facility. McKenzie got hit with a $14,000 fine. And after that, he decided to go get the shot, go get vaccinated so that he will not have to wear a mask and therefore can't be fined for violating the COVID protocols that unvaccinated players are under. Um... So we kind of have the first instance of an NFL player who was not getting the vaccine and, oh, crap, these penalties kind of suck. I better go get the vaccine now. <laughs> what if this was Cole Beasley and him? Like, we're going to make a pact, buddy. High five. We're in this together. <laughs> and then, like, two days later, it's like, well, what the hell happened with you, Isaiah? Like, Cole Beasley now out, out in the island by himself. It's like, no, no, you're supposed to be with me. Well, I imagine Isaiah McKenzie, after getting the fine, went to Cole Beasley and said, hey, yes. you're going to pay this, right? You told me not. You're going to pay. And Cole Beasley said, hell no, I'm not paying that. And Isaiah McKenzie will said, all right, scheduling man. my vaccine appointment tomorrow. Oh. Cole Beasley's dying on that hill, man. He is he is not coming off that hill. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Oh, God, Tyler. Well. I was about to say, I don't think that's the phrase that we want. And Tyler, he's like, I'm all in. Double yes, down. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Next question. Jerry Jones says Dak Prescott is good to go for week one. You believe Jerry Jones is medical information right now? Information? Have you watched Hard Knocks? He's probably examining him. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Dak, come on in the room with me. I've got to check everything out. Um, I believe it. I mean, I, now, I don't, I'm not going to trust Jerry as a doctor, but just reading, uh, tweets from Dallas Morning News writers and everyone else. He's out there. He's practicing. He's oh good. So yeah, I, I think he's I think he's good for week one. I would assume so too. I'm curious to see if he's 100% because there's a difference in good to go and 100% and what that means for Dak and what that means for their offense. But yes, I have to imagine he's going to be at least close enough to where Dak Prescott uh, looks normal and their offense is very good because the last two years like last year, they were absurd the first five games when Dak Prescott was healthy. Their defense yes. was terrible, but Dak was phenomenal and the offense was great. But even two years ago, the offense was very good. Dak Prescott was very good. Like 
this should be a really good, like top five offense in the NFL. If Dak Prescott is fully healthy. So it'll be curious to see them. They play the first game, right? They play, um, Tampa, they play Bay. Tampa Bay on yeah. Thursday night. So yeah. that'll be a, a fun first game of the season to see if Dak Prescott, how he is. And you get a really tough test to do it. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Gardner Minshew was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a sixth round pick. He's going to start. He is apparently now the third string quarterback behind Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. He had to poop. (laughs) Did you? That's a reference that like six people are going to hear. Yeah. I got to pause on that follow to let it uh, hang out there. Um, (laughs) They really traded him to be the third, trade for him to be the third string guy. I could see, like, obviously, Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy going, you know, all, you know, long term. But this guy's not ahead of Joe Flacco. Yeah, that's the interesting part because Flacco did not look good in the preseason. I have to imagine Gardner Minshew is going to be ahead of Joe Flacco eventually. Like, maybe it's a case of okay. Get Gardner Minshew in here. You know, he's got to learn the offense, and then once he does, he'll replace. Joe Flacco is the number right. two uh, because yeah, Flacco, I like Gardner Minshew is better than Joe Flacco. So I have to imagine that's going to be the case, but I don't know at the time, if you're the Eagles right now, I guess are you, are you just ba- basically trying to have as many options as possible to mm-hmm. where, uh Oh, if Jalen hurts doesn't work out, we've got to have something competent to go to. They're going to be so bad. I would just tell Jalen hurts. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, they're going to be so bad. I mean, you're talking Houston, Detroit, and I think Philly might be next in terms of the worst teams in the league. So wouldn't you just say, hey, we drafted him. We like him. Let's go. I mean, I would make uh, I would make Gardner Minshew number two. I wouldn't make Flacco number two. But I would just say Jalen Hurts is, you know, play him like you did Aikman the first year when Aikman went one and 15 or whatever it was. If, you're, if he's the guy, play him. And hope he doesn't get hurt. Well, I mean, that's going to be the problem, though. Like, didn't Aikman get concussed and it sort of shortened his well, career? But not just the first year, because I've read, like, books on Aikman where he's like, I stopped counting at nine. I have no idea how no many course. concussions I have. Now, that was his whole career, but I think of nine, eight were the first year. Carter Minshew, <laughs> your starting fantasy quarterback, <laughs> week six. <laughs> That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Nebraska lost to Illinois 30 to 22. That was a really good game to open the season. I think Jared was just deprived of football for so long. That I he was. thought that was a good game. Um, it was better than any preseason game I have watched. That was one of the worst played football <laughs> games I think I've ever seen. And I've watched UNLV for the last five years. Nebraska literally... The guy fielded a punt running into his own end zone and then tried to throw the ball forward to avoid a safety, which did not work. And that was like not the worst play of the game for Nebraska. <laughs> no, so, I was. Uh, OK, go, go ahead. Ed. <laughs> well, no, I was sitting in the airport begging the guy uh, in the restaurant, please turn on UCLA Hawaii. It's 28 nothing. It's better than what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, just... I mean, it was bad. I just that Scotty Frost, the Scotty Frost, uh, with what's been going on with that guy? I mean, he's walking off the field. I'm like, how long are we going to see that guy? I cannot imagine he finishes the season because 
They okay. Here's the thing with Nebraska. They have been they've had Adrian Martinez as their quarterback during the Scott Frost era. He is a senior this year. It's like his third year starting. He's awful. Like he's genuinely yeah. a bad quarterback in college football. Genuinely bad. And yet he's still starting for this team. It's it's amazing. Like, do they not have a competent backup to go in there? Because there was a sequence at the end of the first half where Nebraska has the ball. I think the game was still tied nine to nine. They have the ball in the final two minutes. The first play is like, it's a well-designed crossing route for a tight end who is wide open. If, if Adrian Martinez puts the throw on the money, it's a 30 yard gain at the worst. It's a 70 yard touchdown at the best. If the tight end can make the safety miss, right? Adrian Martinez missed him by like 10 yards. Like it was like, all he had to do was put a little air under it. The tight end could have run it down anywhere. Adrian Martinez missed it by 10 yards. A couple plays later, with like 45 seconds left, Martinez fumbles while getting sacked that scooped up and returned for a touchdown by Illinois. So you went from, if he completes a pass, Nebraska probably scores a touchdown and they're up seven going into halftime versus, uh uh-oh, he fumbled and Illinois is up seven going into halftime. He's a disaster of a quarterback. And as long as he's the guy there, they're not winning much and Scott Frost is getting fired. He's the Flacco of college football. I think this kid's been around 66 years. I, uh, every year it's Adrian <laughs> Martinez with this weird team. And you had me at 9-9 for how bad that game was. 9-9. 9-9. With there was a safety in there, a yeah. missed extra well, point. Nebraska's he, kicker missed two extra points. Oh, yeah, that was great. And he was like an all-Big Ten <laughs> kicker last year, the it, only good player he, on their team. You know how bad this game was? It was 9-9, and it wasn't all field goals. Like, when you can get to nine, and it's not a fitness, then something's going on. Great game. Loved it. (laughs) Coming up next, (laughs) Alameda County really doesn't want to give the A's any money to build their ballpark in Oakland. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Green at the belt. Delivers to Mark and it's swung on in line to left. Gallo going over, leaping up. It's over his head. It's going to the wall. And here's Canna. He's going to go to second with a double. It was hit so hard that it handcuffed Joey Gallo. And Tony Kemp is coming up. Here's the pitch by Green. And Tony drills one down the right field line. If it's fair, it's got a chance. It's gone! Tony Kemp, a line drive down the right field line, just inside the foul pole in the bottom of the eighth inning. And the Athletics have taken a 3-1 to one lead. Two away, and that'll bring up Urshela. Now the 1-0 pitch on the way. Chafin kicks. Here it is. It's swung on a ground ball to short. Charging his Elvis. He's got it. He turns. He throws. And the A's have won it. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Your future Las Vegas A's still holding on to a slim chance at making the playoffs. Did you recognize any of those players mentioned in those highlights? Yeah, Tony Kemp. Former Astros, oh, great. Yeah, yeah, the gala. All right, yeah, fair, yeah. fair enough. Uh, but off the field's way more interesting for the Oakland A's because, quick refresher, the city of Oakland has already voted. They've already agreed to give the A's $495 million. Uh, that would help them build a ballpark. But the Oakland A's want more. The Oakland A's want two 
tax districts. The city agreed to give them one for $495 million, but they want a second one that would pay them an additional, what, $360 million. Well, the city of Oakland said, well, we're not going to pay that, but you can ask the county or you can ask the state or you can find out another way to try to pay that. So last week, uh, the county of Alameda was supposed to, well, in September, they're supposed to potentially vote on whether or not they agree to the deal that the A's and the city of Oakland would have here. But the county has said, we're not voting on this because you guys don't have enough specifics here. You guys, the A's are sitting here saying that they get 360 more million dollars and nobody has said where that's coming from. So the county's saying, we don't want to pay it and we're not voting on anything that says we agree with this plan until you tell us where that $360 million is coming from. And now Dave Cavill, the president of the Oakland A's, is out here saying, whoa, 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 this is a big step backwards. This is a big problem for us for the county to say no and not vote on this deal that's not actually finalized yet. Are we sure it's not coming from the Nevada legislature <laughs> to write another check for well, another city? That, um, that's the good news. We're giving them the same amount. <laughs> zero, zero. I... Uh, I, I, I'm not going to come off what we've already said, despite this supposed setback, where I still think ultimately the best deal on the table is going to come from Oakland over Las Vegas. Um, I, you know, I was talking to someone over the weekend, actually a few people were talking about this at a, at a, um, a fair we were at in terms of a, over the Red Rock that we had to attend in terms of what do they really want? I just don't think anyone can say with certainty, this is what they want from Las Vegas. And until we know that, I've always kind of, and I, Tyler has as well, kind of stood back and said, okay, we can't make a determination they're really coming to Las Vegas. I, you know, is it just land? I'd be surprised at that. I, I can't see anywhere in 2021 where pro teams want to come somewhere and build a stadium or ballpark and don't want one red cent other than land. I don't, I mean, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. But again, I'll wait and see. I want to ask you this because of over the weekend, again, we see um, numbers of, the low attendance in Oakland and they were playing the Yankees. So people thought, okay, if there's one series, the way the Yankees are playing, they'd get a lot of people. What percentage do you believe? Someone said this, at the football game the other day, what percentage do you believe this is the normal Oakland fans who they just don't go to a lot of games there and they're kind of fed up with everything. Or is the percentage like, you know what, Cobble, you keep talking about Vegas, you keep making tri trips there. We're not paying anything for you until this thing's settled. Yeah. There's been, if you look on, Twitter, people will respond to A's attendance tweets about, well, that's what you get when you're flirting with Vegas. So I'm sure there's some of that, but I also think that's more of the minority that is Twitter and people with bad opinions speaking there. Right, right. So I don't, I think that's just more normal than anything else. I think that's just the, the A's have had bad attendance for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's a crappy stadium. I guess it's in a bad location. I have never actually been there, so I couldn't tell you if it's a terrible location to actually go to if you're a local or not. But and the team itself, while they they're not usually bad, they they aren't usually that good and they don't spend money. So it's like, okay, who are you going to watch? Oh, Matt Chapman is my favorite player and he's gone next year. So it's it's a, I understand why it's a hard team to actually get behind and cheer for. There's not that much fun about the Oakland A's. So I think a lot of it's just their normal attendance. I don't think there's that much pushback on, hey, Dave Cobble's flirting with Oakland or with Las Vegas, excuse me. Uh, if it if they turn into some lame duck seasons where, oh, they're moving to Vegas in 2024, 
then I think that would happen. And they might have some games with 107 people in the building. Uh, but right now, I, I doubt that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah, a few things. Um, met with Sislak, which ne- didn't like didn't affect me at all in my opinion. It's like he, he made, he's met with everyone other than Sislak, so I guess he threw the governor on there in the end with the latest <laughs> visit. So that it's like okay, whatever. That would be someone ultimately you'd get around to in terms of visiting. Um, and how about this? He's very open, and maybe this is how he's playing his game here in terms of whatever leverage there is on either side. He certainly talks a lot about the problems in Oakland, and it's almost in the back of my mind that strengthens my belief even more that they would stay there. He certainly comes out a lot of times and really tells us everything that's wrong with Oakland and everything that's great with Las Vegas. A lot of times in that tense in the past, at the end, people are shocked where they actually end up. Every word that comes out of Dave Cavill's mouth is solely to get more money out of Oakland. So yes. every time he's going to talk about Las Vegas, he's talking, he, t- he keeps using the phrase positive momentum, right? He keeps talking about how great the reception right. is here. He, he did right. though. He talked to Mick Akers like a month ago and he was like, Oh, the view would be great from Summerlin. Yeah. We can overlook the city. And it's like, dude, you're building a stadium with a roof. There's not going to be a view. What are you talking about? <laughs> so everything, well, Tyler, he could have Lanai doors. <laughs> everything he says about Vegas, he is might how, also be talking about his house, and he'll have to rebuild it because he doesn't have a good enough view. How amazing Las Vegas is! How amazing it would be to have the A's here. While every single thing he says in Oakland is about how well you got to give us more. That deal doesn't work. We need more. Like everything is negative in Oakland, and that's because every word that comes out of his mouth is him trying to get more money from Oakland or Alameda or maybe the state of California or wherever that comes from. So everything he says is about getting leverage on Oakland and Alameda County. So it's kind of irrelevant when he says positive things about Las Vegas, especially when he just talks in generalities about momentum until he says we can come to Las Vegas if we get X amount of public money. Nothing he says about Vegas really matters. No, it doesn't. And that's and again, he might come out in a week or you know late September whenever supposedly the vote's going to happen and it doesn't happen and say, okay, let's put it on the table now. From Vegas, if we want to go to this site, we would want this. We would need that. And then Vegas can respond and we all can respond on this show and elsewhere about what we think the deal would mean for Vegas and if it's a smart deal or not. That's never been said. So I know you're in the same boat. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and see when Dave Cavill or Fisher or whoever has some kind of statement saying we're coming to Las Vegas if this happens. And then we can respond and say, boy, what a horrible deal. Or you know what? That's not a bad deal to have a major league baseball team. But until that happens, I just kind of sit back and, you know, I, I don't take anything he says seriously. I, and Major League Baseball had that, you know, a link to that story. I don't know if they wrote the story the other day. They're kind of jumping on the bandwagon now. We don't know what behind the scenes people are really saying. If Cobble's take, telling Manfred, hey, we keep going down this road, we're going to get the money in Oakland. I mean, yeah. we don't really know what anyone's saying. Because right now, at, even after Alameda County saying, whoa, 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 we can't vote on this. We don't, we don't even know what the finalized deal is here that we would be voting on. Even after that, and Dave Cavill blowing up and coming back to Vegas and saying, oh, it's not good enough in Oakland. At the end of the day, they still have right now an offer that they would get $490 million from Oakland and $0 from Vegas. And until that changes, until one of those numbers changes, they are not coming to Las Vegas. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. 
This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan, you guys are back on the air today, aren't you? No. No? No, we're not. What? No. We're back We're back on the 7th. Oh, boy. You guys really don't pay much attention, do you? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I do. I knew it was the 7th. Tyler oh, you know. did? Oh, you should have told me. <laughs> I'm not, because, I'm not there. Tyler, this is what happens when you're you. <laughs> People often don't give you all the information so that at times you can look like you do right now. It's fantastic. Well done, Ed. I'm, I'm really, really glad to be a part of the show today. So in, but in I did days, learn, I think, through a t- I think through a tweet I learned that. But I, I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. <laughs> in eight days, the VGK Insider Show will be back on the air. You'll love this, Ryan. What time are you guys on Fox Sports Las Vegas? Oh, come on, buddy. Uh, is it 3 o'clock? Wow. All right. We're on 4 to 6, Tyler. Come on. Get with the time. Buddy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You're just embarrassing yourself now. That's what I'm here to do. All right. <laughs> Let me ask you a non-Golden Knights question to start. Uh, okay. Do we need more offer sheets in the NHL? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So the Carolina Hurricanes are petty and it's amazing, and they absolutely are, are looking to pay uh, Yesberry Kakaniani like two and a half times the amount of money that he's actually worth. And it's, it's designed either to take the player that they want, or it's designed to really, really mess things up for the Montreal Canadiens should they decide to match the offer. Um, I love the offer sheet from Carolina. I loved everything about their social media in regards to the offer sheet, and I just feel like the NHL would be a much more entertaining place if offer sheets were more widely accepted and used. I'll tell you who didn't love it, the poor kid at the Knights who tweeted about Ted, and he got bounced. Jeez, there's no way this guy would have survived being the Carolina Hurricanes social media guy. Um, So Montreal is sitting back and watching this and stewing, I'm sure, what happens here ultimately? I mean, we get through all the laughs and everything. What, what happens ultimately, you think, in your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if I'm Mark Bergevin, I, I'm looking at this objectively and I'm saying that right now, Yasseri Takanyemi is not a $6 million player and on a team that is going to go into LCIR next season but uh, doesn't really have a lot of wiggle room just in terms of, of their salary cap. I think you have to make an, an honest determination. Do you think that Takanyemi can be eventually a $6.1 million player. If you do, then I think you match. But the other interesting fact on this is at the end of the contract, so it's a one-year deal, $6.1 million, Yasteri Kakadani is still a restricted free agent next season, so that qualifying offer is going to have to be $6.1 million. If you don't tender the qualifying offer, then he could essentially become a free agent. So there's a lot of different parts to this. I get the sense legitimately get the sense that yes, very talking and he's going to be a, a Carolina hurricane. I do not believe the Montreal Canadians are going to match this offer sheet because as I said earlier on, this is two and a half, maybe even three times the amount of money that this player is actually worth market value. I just don't think that's a wise business decision, no matter where you drafted him. I don't know if there's a rule about how many times an individual player can, can sign an offer sheet. Is it possible that the Canadians could match this? It's a one-year deal. He's an RFA next year, and the Hurricanes offer sheet him again next offseason? 
Um, I mean, if he's eligible to be offer sheeted, then they can do it in, in, in perpetuity, I, I believe. Like, I don't think there's any any uh, limit on how many times a player can get can get offer sheeted. So if, if you're offer sheet eligible, giddy up, let's go. Uh, so Jack Eichel got on a plane with hockey sticks the other day and the world ended. Um, he, is now tra- he has now changed a, uh, um, agents to Pat Brisson, who obviously we know the connections there with the Knights. Uh, where do you see Jack Eichel? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he was instead just going to some camp or something. But, I mean, what's going on with Jack Eichel and how do you think this, this situation is resolved? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I, I didn't expect that, you know, we would get here today with Jack Eichel still a member of the Buffalo Sabres, but here we are. And, and we talked about it, I think, the last time I was on with you guys, that Jack Eichel wants out. The Buffalo Sabres want fair value. And even though you're never going to get fair value in this situation, and this entire time we're delaying decisions on a player's health and, you know, that to me is kind of the biggest thing. So um, I still don't expect Jack Eichel to be a Buffalo Sabre come next season. However, the, the amount of time that there, there is right now to make a decision is waning, and it's waning by the second. As, 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 and, and also, there aren't many teams out there right now that can make the trade because you've waited so long. So um, I, I get the sense that, you know, Jack Eichel's not going to be a Buffalo Saber. I think changing agents is really a way to put more pressure and more pressure and more pressure on the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I don't know what that deal is going to look like, but I get the sense that, you know, Jack Eichel has played his last game as a Buffalo Saber. Do you think Jack Eichel will have a it's not goodbye, it's see you later party in Buffalo? <laughs> no, no, it's goodbye, and I'll never see you again. <laughs> Did you attend the Ryan Reeves? It's not goodbye. It's see you later party. I did. did I I have done nothing this this vacation, buddy. Like I have gone nowhere. I have done nothing, and it has been fantastic. So no, I did not attend that party. Well, okay. I have to imagine you on vacation, but on vacation staying home. You're busier than I ever am in my life because you have a f- small farm. Uh, yeah, that's probably accurate. That's okay. that's a fair fair statement there. Okay. I mean, you know, now, chickens don't take care of themselves. This is they kind of do. But. Well, only fake ones More online with weirdos do. Um, uh, but I have I have paid attention not only to Ryan's show, but the fact that he finally beat his kids in Monopoly. So that is an absolute yeah. hurdle he has gotten over. So glad that that uh, ended in Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, so, so bring us like, here's 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 context on that. My son, he's four. He does not lose games. I'll play war with him. He'll beat me. Go fish. He slaughters me. Monopoly Junior. The kid does not lose. I finally won last night. It was it was a lot of gloating. I danced on a chair. Like it was fantastic. Uh, okay, I'm a li- I'm I'm confused. How does he not lose? He doesn't lose. Aren't aren't some of these like games anything. of chance? Ever. Some of these he's, are like games of chance. He's though. the whiz, and nobody beats him. Like go fish is not like a high skill game. I, I understand that. He's also four years old. He just doesn't lose. <laughs> and, like, the crazy thing about it is we'll play war. And after all the cards are divvied up, I'll, I'll have four aces. He'll have none. He'll still win the game. It's ridiculous. You might be bad at this. Well, it's well, another reason. What? Well, Another reason Bishop can't have kids. He'd be screaming at them and, and, and losing stuff. It would, it would go out of control. Um, 
So what? bring us back to the Golden Knights now. I, I got asked this the other day. I had absolutely no idea, and I told the person that. Are they done here? Um, is this the team? Is this the team? And, you know, obviously they'll, there'll be some decisions to make along the probably later lines, but is this the team that's going to open up against Seattle? Um, I, I don't think it is. And, and we just got done talking about Jack Eichel, and I still have a really hard time believing that this organization, this front office, is going to go into this season with that carrot still dangling out there. Now, I think the, the deal has to make a lot of sense for Vegas. I think that you kind of kind of understand what the medical records are and, and what that timeline is going to look like for Jack. But I still think the fact that Jack Eichel has not been traded and we know there are teams that, that like to make that big swing, the Golden Knights being one of them. I just can't talk myself out of a, a, a situation where uh, the Golden Knights don't take a shot at it if it's there and if the deal makes sense. So um, unless Jack Eichel's on the team, then yes, this is the team that's going to go into the season. I don't think there's going to be a trade for anybody else. I think that it's right now this team or – somewhat this team with Jack Eichel in the fold. You say a deal would have to make sense for Vegas. What do you think makes sense mm-hmm. if you're trading for Jack Eichel? Um, I, I mean, I think that you want to try to get that deal done with, with picks, and you want to get it done with prospects as best you can. You're probably going to need a serviceable NHL player, but when you look at the timeline for Buffalo, this is a team that's, what, going to be three to four years out before they're really, really a team that's kind of turning a corner. So you're looking at like a Peyton Krebs or even a Brendan Brisson, which would complicate things, obviously, um, in terms of a deal. But my, my point being, if you're the Buffalo Sabres, you're not looking for, say, like a Riley Smith or a Jonathan Marshall. So simply because those players right now, um, they might help you in, in the short term, but they're really not going to help you once you turn the corner and you become a, a good organization, a good team, a good franchise. So, like, I think for the Golden Knights, you, you can part with a Peyton Krebs. You can part with one of your prospects, and you can give first-round picks because they're going to be late rounds anyway. Um, the, the, the point is you don't want to do this for Shea or You don't want to do this for Alex Puck. You want to try to keep those two players if you can for Vegas. And if you can find a way to make that work, you, you get that deal done. I assume the answer is yes, but if – this is the team and there is no Eichel, can they win the cup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can. I, I Just because this is going to be the team that they go into the season with, I, I don't think there's any guarantee that that's going to be the team they hit the playoffs with. We know this is, that this is a front office that will be active at the trade deadline if there's a need that needs to be addressed. But, you know, when you look at the Golden Knights, you look at the fact that they were able to beat Colorado last year in the playoffs and and I think that moment has really kind of put Vegas at the, at the top of the mountain in terms of the Western Conference, and then there's everyone else kind of below them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a team that has all the tools. They, they've got depth. They've got, um, you know, goaltending. They've got strong defense. Like, they're not they're, – they haven't taken a step back. If anything, they've added a little bit more depth in terms of, of offensive finishing. So – this is a 100% a team that can win the cup. You just need a lot of a lot of things to break your way once you get into the playoffs to do it. All right, Ryan, enjoy the rest of your vacation. He's back on the air in eight days over on Fox Sports Las Vegas from four to six. It's the Golden Knights Insider Show, but it's eight days away, not today. Thanks, Ryan.
Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Buddy. One of Good these thing days. I keep up on that kid's life. Listen, you don't know anything that's happened with that kid. You finally beat your kids <laughs> at Monopoly. <laughs> I thought we were having them on because they were back on the air today. That's what I thought we were doing. I, I we kind of thought I must have misread this uh, most recent schedule. Um, yeah. See, I'm blaming Jared. All right, thank you for the out, Jared. It's all Jared's fault. I mean, Coming up next. Well, our, hold on. Our <laughs> sharp one again. The worst. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Josh is back. His streak is up to two after the manly the Eagles won what I assume was a rugby game or match. I don't even know what they call it, uh, but they beat the Bulldogs. I don't know who that is either, but they won. So Josh has two in a row. He's got to get to nine to win a prize. We've got mystery NFL jerseys. We've got a mystery hat. Uh, so you're on your way there, but only with two so far. So Josh, where do you want to go with your third pick? Let's go some U.S. Open tennis this morning. Okay. Oh, this, these are these are going to be good picks. Who do you want? Andre Rublev. That's not a real person, but okay. Andre, how do you spell Rublev? R-U-B-L-E-V? That's correct. All right. Andre Rublev, uh, if, as long as he's playing, we'll be good to go. If he wins, we'll be calling you again tomorrow. So good luck, Josh. Thanks. Appreciate it. All Thanks, right. Josh. Andre Ooh. Rublev. Uh, he is apparently the fifth seed in the U.S. Open, according to Google. And he's playing somebody named Karlovich. So, so I assume he's Federer got a good and chance a dollar, to Federer and a dollar hurt. So after Djokovic, don't say the name. I'll have no idea who that person is. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ask me to name more than one of the women's top seeds, I'll is Steffi still playing? I think Serena's out. Um, Osaka would be number one seed. I'm I'm guessing here. The press box. You're home for tennis. tennis. For tennis. You're home for tennis. Tennis, golf, and the UFC. <laughs> we got you covered. Now, more importantly, in the USL. Uh, oh, for God. Yes. <laughs> yes. More importantly than the US Open Tennis Championships, let's head to the USL. Now, first, I do want to give you guys my extreme disappointment because Lights FC lost again over the weekend to LA Galaxy 2. They lost 3-2. to two. Uh, Lights actually tied the game 2-2 in the 89th minute and then gave up a goal in stoppage time to lose 3-2 because they, Uh. I believe it is now five of their last six losses. They have given up uh, a game-winning goal in the final 20 minutes of the game. They've been tied at the 70th minute only to get, or later, only to give up a game-winning goal at some point in that last 20 minutes. At least they did it in the 90th minute, not the 97th minute. Because I'm fairly certain they've lost games in the, like, 112th minute or something weird like that. So, yeah, they're in last place uh, in the division. They are seven points out of a playoff spot, uh, but they've played two more games than the team currently in fourth place. So they the other team has games in hand, and they're seven points back, and there's three other teams between them and the last playoff spot. It's pretty much over for life. So what are you saying? They're not making the playoffs for the fourth (laughs) straight season. It does not matter what they do, whether it's Chalice or Eric Winalda or a random interim, or they partner with LAFC. They do not make the playoffs, but what's more fun. uh, I think we have figured out what our promotion is going to be for lights. FC Uh, tequila shots is the favorite right now. Oh, Uh, our show alcoholic, Jared, 
Ooh. Uh, yes. He gets credit for coming up with this. I because I don't remember what you were googling, but you found out that the world record for most tequila shots taken at one time is only like 1,300, 1,400 or something like that. So we just need 1,500 people and we'll break the record for most tequila shots taken at one time, uh, which is a promotion that is, the, it's the favorite right now. Hasn't been finalized, but that there's a good chance I mean, this is our promotion. This is, this, this is super on brand because at the very least, then you might have to watch a second half of the lights yes. playing soccer. I will take one shot. Jared will take four hundred or fourteen hundred and ninety nine. I really yeah. don't do well on tequila. <laughs> Actually, Tyler and I are going to take a half a shot each, <laughs> and uh, you're going to take there's the best part would maybe be if we can. Do I mean, it I'm quickly. willing to sacrifice for the team, but someone's got to like keep track of where my pants are. The, the the best part maybe to enter you know with the alcohol getting Starkus involved. We could take the shots and then play dodgeball. Oh. Uh, and then and that and would then, then, you know. And then vomit on the field. And it's yes, just like it, every other yes. promotion. As long and as they, we ruin the, the pitch. It'll probably improve the field at <laughs> if we threw up on it. So, well, this is also a great opportunity for Starkus to get a little uh, pub in there. You, possible. Know, you can have some kind of sponsor. It's yeah, possible. Absolutely. I don't know what Starkus needs to do, but it's possible. So. What this would be would be 1,500 different people, not just Jared taking all the shots. It would be 1,500 different people taking a shot at the same time and conceivably more. I mean, their attendance is over 1,500, so it's conceivably you could get more than 1,500. But 1,500 people taking a shot at the same time, halftime. I don't know if we get 1,500 people on the field or what happens here, but everyone that shows up, you get one free tequila shot, take it on Uh. the field, break a world record. That's dangerous. Not much of a drinker at all. If I take that shot, I might be yelling out chants I'm not supposed to. Oh, boy. Ed's going to be. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ed's going to get Cassie on the phone and go, Ed, what's the chant? I don't know the chant. My phone is broken. The the Irish guy being ejected for the chant. It's like, "Ah, that's not worth it. (laughs) So... We get to come up with a game day promotion. We'll still take your ideas. We've had dodgeball. We've had a dunk tanks. Two solid ideas. But if you have something better than those two or breaking the world record for most shots taken at one time, you can let us know. This has not been finalized yet. It's just the leader. It's just the favorite at the moment to happen. You can still let us know if you have any idea of what you think a good game day promotion for Lights FC would be. But as of now, it'll be... A bunch of people taking a shot of tequila at the same time, and that'll be as and Jared then a said. Massive punch up. Well, do, do I have to wear a soccer jersey to do this? No. Okay. Why not? You don't want to wear a soccer jersey? Come on, Ed. We can get you in one jersey. No our, jersey guy. Our no logo. Jersey guy. Our logo's on the training top. It's only on the sleeve, but it's I'll, there. I'll wear the training top if it's on there. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pump the press box. We'll have to yeah. see if Lights FC can spare an extra training top that they can't afford. <laughs> I want.